This episode is brought to you by Patchworks, P-A-T-C-H-W-E-R-K-S dot com. Patchworks is our local synth shop here in Seattle, and I would love it if you went there and, uh, you know, showed some support. They've got all sorts of new and used gear, and uh, it's not just modular stuff. they got uh, they got all sorts of stuff, and they also do... Uh, I said that weird. All sorts of all sorts of stuff, and uh, they do uh, a lot of you know talks and um, workshops and whatnot. Very community driven. So please help me support Patchworks. P a t c h w e r k s dot com. And speaking of Tom Butcher, the co-founder of Patchworks, uh, he has a he has a record release for his project called Orchid with a Q O R Q I D, and that will be this Wednesday night at the uh, Timber Room in Seattle, 8 p.m. So if you are in the Seattle area and you want to go see some cool live music, please go do that. Um, and if you're, on, if you're over there at patchworks.com, why don't you uh, buy some Mod Bang glow-in-the-dark cables from them? Just like, you know, you can check out all... You could, you could support two, two show sponsors at once. Or if you need yourself a Eurorack cover, you can head over to Mod Bang. Com. And check out the uh, these new 6 and 7U handmade sport dust covers. Carefully crafted from highly durable and water-resistant ripstop nylon. Designed with the great outdoors in mind for those who crave nature in complex waveforms. Embedded with stretch shock cord to grip your synthesizer when the wind picks up. Uh, there's three colors, yellow, stealth black, and mod bang blue. And then there are a couple uh, cotton covers with uh, some really cool designs, but you should go to modbang.com to look at those yourself. But I gotta say, I have been just enjoying the heck out of having these uh, glow-in-the-dark cables. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, they're a real hit at live shows. Um, I bought a little UV flashlight to charge them up, and uh, yeah, it's just it's nice to look at a, at a full patch on my system and have it look uniform, and then when I turn off the lights, have it glow-in-the-dark. Super cool. So yeah, modbang.com for that. Um, what else? We got a really cool uh, episode for you today. A new company... A relatively new modular company out of Seattle called Acid Rain Technologies. You've heard me uh, over the last two episodes, I have demoed the chainsaw from them. And I've got another demo for you. Um, And we're going to get into that in a moment. um, So you'll have some context for what we're going to talk about in the episode. But I just want to say that uh, while, yes, they are, you know, a sponsor, this this is the this is the non-sponsor portion of me talking. This oscillator is uh, has really changed the way that I'm patching, and it's been an extremely useful tool for me. And uh, yeah, I'm just so happy to have it in my rack. Uh, it's and rather than blabble, bab, babble, babble, I can't talk. Let's just let's just get into this demo. I'm sorry this this episode was late because I hurt my back skateboarding and then I just didn't have time to get to it. I've got a bunch of stuff I want to talk about. Um, a bunch of people have been sending me stuff uh, about you know, emails with their releases, uh, music releases, and I want to get to that. Um, but I almost feel like that could be a bonus episode. Would that be something you you guys are interested in? If you are, let me know. Like a like a little bonus episode, uh, just kind of playing you know snippets of new new tracks from our favorite artists i don't email me podpodcast at gmail.com also thank you to everybody who is uh is supporting the show on patreon over a hundred 
uh, Patreon subscribers. That's that's crazy to me, and thank you so much. Um, can I get 125 before 2020? That might be a tall order, but that's that's the new goal. So if you would like to help out, go to patreon.com forward slash podular modcast. Okay, and before we get into this demo, I just have to tell you about Needham Woodworks. You've heard me mention Needham Woodworks before. Beautiful handcrafted wooden Euro rack cases. Please go to needhamwoodworks.com to learn more about them. That's N-E-E-D-H-A-M woodworks.com. Alright, let's check out this demo. Alright, let's check out the chainsaw. I talked about the chainsaw in the last two episodes, um, but if you're not familiar, it is from Acid Rain Technology, and it's, uh, it is great for making nice chord progressions and melodies all out of one oscillator. Um, it goes from super saw to super square, and there's a, a detune knob that spreads out all of the, uh, all of the many oscillators that are within it. So let's just take a listen really quick. That's just the straight up sound coming out. And I'll mess with this. Uh, I'll go from saw to square. And back down. And then there's this detune knob. At noon, it sounds so glorious. And then all the way up, it gets pretty hectic. So let's bring all those down. And let's just check out this uh, little little ditty that I made with it. There are three volt per octave inputs on this thing, so I have three different sequences going in. Okay, let's add an LFO into the um, into the the wave shaping input. That's pretty nice. And let's just turn this uh, the detune up to to noon. That sounds pretty cool to me. Now. I know what you're thinking. Okay, well that's all good and dandy, but what if uh, what if I don't want it to be so so you know not harsh, but what if I what if I want a little softer of a sound? Well, you uh, you run these outputs into a filter, and listen to that. Kind of in between triangle and and sine territory there. Um, so I'm going to also I want to show you this uh, the Pura Ruina, which is a distortion from uh, Noise Engineering. It's a very unique distortion. It's got uh, four different outputs, and then each one of those outputs has a CV in to control the uh, the amount of distortion, and they're all kind of different. But what I'm doing right now is I'm just using CV control into two of those, and I'm using the sum out. Uh, so all of them are coming out of one. So let's just take a listen to that. It's going into the Dirty Murals from Recovery Effects.
adds a little abrasion in there. Now let's, uh, let's take the unfiltered sound and put it through some VCAs and run it through some reverb and delay. I'm really enjoying Chainsaw. It is, uh, it's just, it's so easy to access nice melody and uh, just being able to actually construct uh, an actual song is, is a new experience for me in the modular realm. And uh, yeah, I, it's just, it works so great for that. And it's only four HP, that's crazy. Um, but yeah, I hope you enjoy this. Go to acidraintechnology.com to learn more about it. And uh, we're going to get into another demo of the Pira Ruina because I'm using it so modestly right now. This thing is crazy. But uh, I just wanted to kind of show you a little bit of how you could use it in a nice way because you think of distortion, you know, you think crunchy and, and raw and nasty. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to stop rambling now. I hope you enjoy this demo. And we're live. Awesome. With Acid Rain Technology. Or Michael, what's your last name? Yenik. Yenik. How do you spell that? Y e n i k. Y e n i k. Is that like Czechoslovakian? Actually, one hundred percent. Yeah. Oh, sweet. I, I'm good with last names, I guess. And we have Ryan Hume. H u m e. That is English as fuck. I believe so. Yeah, like yeah. David Hume. Yeah. Wasn't he the No Man Is an Island guy? <sighs> I don't know. I'm <laughs> some sort of philosopher I, or yeah, something. Yeah, I don't have my uh, philosophy <laughs> quiz, pub quiz questions off the top of my head. Sweet. So, well, what I like to do typically is get a, uh, a background of the guest, just kind of um, where did you, music, where did music enter your life, becoming a musician, and then how, how did that all lead to being module manufacturers? Yeah. So... Let me go first. Um, <laughs> sure. Yeah, I guess we have, I mean, we have pretty different backgrounds when it comes into modular. Um, so it'll be kind of, kind of interesting juxtaposition, I think. Um, I, uh, I started in guitar, mm -hmm. um, learned when I was really young and then got really into it in middle school. And I think a pretty common, common story for a lot of kids. Mm -hmm. Um, Especially back then, you know, the indie music was huge, and, and yeah, I was going to ask, like, who who were the who were the bands that were really like driving you? Oh man, I mean, like Blink One Eighty Two mm -hmm. when I was like late elementary, early middle school. What like what era of Blink One Eighty Two? Uh, that would have been Enema of the State. Enema of the State. Yeah. Okay, that's and Take Off Your Pants and Jacket okay. was like I was the the right age when right when yeah. that came out. Uh huh. I was just aging out by those albums. Oh yeah. Like I had Enema of the State, but. I was, I think by then I was, what year was that? I was like 15 yeah. or something. So it was kind of like, it was funny, but yeah, you know, right. um, but dude ranch, I still, oh, I'll still okay. put on some dude ranch awesome. and, and shake a fist, but, um, sorry, I interrupted you no, to talk about that. I wanted to skate when I was in third grade <laughs> yeah. and, and all of that, but we're up here in the Northwest and like, it's not, <laughs> the culture is not, you know, not as big as like Southern California or right. anything, but, um, so yeah, I got into guitar, um, and then 
middle school started a band and high school really started playing in bands. Um, and I actually, that led me really into the recording side mm -hmm. of music. And I became kind of a de facto engineer and, and recording nut. Um, I grew up on a, a, a really reasonably small island near Seattle and uh, called Bainbridge Island. Bainbridge, okay. And at the time I was in high school, this was the, the early 2000s, um, there was a like really, really oddly thriving high school band scene. On Bainbridge? Bainbridge? On Bainbridge. Really? I didn't there know were that. upwards of probably like 10 really active bands on the island. Of, wow, uh, that's an crazy. Of, yeah. of, of 18,000 people or yeah. something like that. So, <laughs> and uh, yeah, really small space. So it was, it was really cool. I was really lucky to grow up in that kind of environment. And uh, yeah, so got into the recording side, the, the technical side of music production. Um, and then uh, I went to college for industrial design and music kind of fell to the wayside a little bit. I was really busy with design school. Um, and then it, by the end of, of college, I wanted to get back into music. And of course, electronic music really exploded in the US mm -hmm. around then. Uh, like uh, the first Justice album. That's, yeah, was, was a big entry mm -hmm. point for a lot of people. Me too. Yeah. That one. And like, I mean, even though it wasn't new at the time, that one and uh, Daft Punk's Discovery yeah. were like two huge. Uh, um, and then I wanted to find weirder and weirder stuff, but that was kind of yeah, totally. Same. Yeah, started pretty mainstream. Dead Mouse yep. got really big. Yeah. Four um, four or four times four equals what is it? Four four yeah, that times four times four equals twelve twelve or something like that. Yeah, um, funny Dead Mouse. And he he actually I know I really credit uh, Joel Zimmerman for like turning on a lot of producers totally to music yeah. because he was yeah. so transparent with his process mm -hmm. and like. Uh, you, I mean, any. I think I was, it was probably one amongst millions who would like avidly watch his little videos on YouTube. And the oh, live didn't he streams. do live? Yeah, I was gonna say he did a lot of live streaming back when that wasn't, you know, what it is. Obviously, what it is now. It's yeah. way more popular now. But he, I remember seeing that, and I even remember thinking, like, man, you're giving all your secrets away. But right? that's not how it works. No, now, as we yeah. all know. Yeah, right. <laughs> no, yeah, totally. <laughs> um, and that is actually the first time I ever encountered Eurorack was okay. on uh, Dead Mouse like YouTube videos of I think he would it was I don't think it was ever really a part of his main production workflow but he had the cash to have these like big dope for cases. I was just gonna say, didn't he have like a wall full of like pretty much everything dope for made? I thought I saw. Yeah, that I mean, whatever was available back in you know two thousand eight. Or whatever that okay. was. So I think, yeah, I think, yeah. I mean, there was stuff, but definitely like for Eurorack format, not a whole lot. Right. I think um, Harvest Man was doing stuff and Make Noise and probably a few others. I'm sorry. Some Schwayman stuff yeah. was around back mm -hmm. then. I mm -hmm. think the really, the really analog solutions. Things. Yeah. Um, but it didn't really register at the time. Eurorack. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I was a college student. I didn't have any money for hardware yeah. synthesizers well um, and the information just to kind of like the power supply thing was is really confusing and if you can't look up a video on youtube about that readily or totally you know like I'm just, there were for, forums and stuff but i think it must have been way harder to get right. into it then but. but yeah um making electronic music uh kind of afforded an opportunity for me to get back into music 
where I didn't need a band, didn't need to have to schedule rehearsals. Mm -hmm. No uh, drama. Practice space, <laughs> um, you know, play shows and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. You can yeah. just do it on your computer yeah. <laughs> for yourself and post it. And then um, right after college, I got, you know, got a job in industrial design, like the housewares industry. But outside of work, got really into electronic music. Um, SoundCloud was really exploding back when people were like, like actually, 2012 mm -hmm. 2013 when people listen to music on soundcloud and exactly yeah. and i was finding right around then i was finding like great new music every week on soundcloud mm -hmm. you know just through going through people's liked posts yeah, right, and right, stuff. Right. it was like a, <laughs> a total wild west of of underground electronic music and i had another friend then that introduced me to things like uh, night slugs and fade to mind some of the like little I'm more not familiar, but I like the name Night Slugs. That's pretty great. <laughs> yeah, kind of a little more uh, uh, left field club music, uh -huh. um, underground kind of UK stuff. Okay, and, and uh, art scene, uh, uh, electronic music. And granted, again, I had, I had very a very small understanding of it at mm -hmm. the time. So mm -hmm. this is that was a real eye opener for me and showing that you know. Uh, things that I kind of wrote off as just techno or like kind of simplistic over, you know, oversimplifications could be these really, really dynamic. Yeah. Emotional, uh, kind of soundscape, mm -hmm. uh, music, uh, movie score esque right. kind of yeah. experiences, but they still make you want to like get up and shake your body yeah and being for like like also myself being from a guitar background i think that was a similar uh opinion i had of electronic music before i was like really into it i was like oh it's just like does the same shit over and over right. again they make it on a computer like and yeah edm you yeah know, again that was the, the major edm era in the mm -hmm. u.s where it's like really the same thing before it became a four-letter word exactly yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the fourth letter uh, yeah so then yeah got had a little more money to spend, get into like semi-modular stuff. I got like an Arturia microbrute and mm -hmm, mm -hmm. started doing a lot of research on the internet about um, music producers that I really admired, mm -hmm. like um, uh, Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis from the 80s. Okay. And, uh, they did a bunch of like, they did like Janet Jackson. And, okay. Um, okay. And I got, I got really into like a new Jack swing sounds and stuff okay. like that, where uh -huh. it's a lot of those early samplers mm -hmm. and like '80s uh, digital digital uh, the emulation stuff. Yeah, emulation yeah. synthesizers like a linear arithmetic. I think they called it like the hmm. Roland D five fifty. Yeah, um, I'm not I'm not familiar with like that cheesy movie carriage. soundtrack sounds. Yeah, DX seven stuff. stuff like that. DX seven bass. Yeah, um, and that kind of researching how the music was made got me into the the gear and then ended up buying some some vintage like desktop units and stuff like that um and eventually came back around through i think it was an arturia microbrute to this idea of like patching my own sounds mm -hmm. um i think it was the the vst zebra as well like a really big full featured synth vst mm -hmm. um that I ended up getting into that made me realize that you know you can you can use more than presets and you can really kind of sculpt yeah sculpt things for yourself it's funny hearing stories like like your story and um mine's mine's similar but different obviously uh yeah. but coming from guitar background and 
what these stories are going to be in five years, you know, like maybe some kids who are 14 right now, but right. by the time they hit like, you know, their, their peak of like making them, you know, using the technology that they want right. to be using and stuff like with all the resources to be able to get into modular right now, I feel like there's going to be some pretty badass modular synthesis in about totally. like 10 years, like doing stuff that no one can <laughs> fathom right now. I don't know. Maybe that's because, you know, like, it, like you, you had to like find so many workarounds right. and, and everything to get into it. Like, I wonder how many people also got into it via that patch bay on the micro brute. Yeah. You know, right. had the CV section, like how many people were like, what's that? And well, what else just, can I plug in? Yeah, there? exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Sorry, I just totally derailed you. I'm no, very good, good at that. That's a really interesting uh, thought that you just brought up there. That like, you know, when it when I was in my my peak music, uh, music impressionable age, mm -hmm. like you're, you're 16, right. or 18, yeah. or whatever, where I lived in the Pacific Northwest of the United States, electronic music was not a thing. Like, yeah, it was nowhere to be found in in our in my like demographic and, and mm -hmm. age group. Um, which I later realized, you know, like in the UK, that's totally not the case. It's yeah, huge. totally. Huge. Yeah. It's a big part of the culture and many other places around Europe and around the world, too. Mm -hmm. But so I do feel like I came to electronic music late in that sense. Oh, yeah. So, so did I. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, you both grew up in like you were not as isolated, even though, you know, it's a stone's throw away, but mm -hmm. you have a body of water in between you and Seattle. So right. and then if you have your own little band scene, then you guys kind of probably had your own little microcosm. I had yeah. the same thing on the east side of the Cascades, yeah. you know, total microcosm and get over here and like you learn about Decibel Festival and right. like the guys from Monster Planet have been doing shit forever and it's like, oh, there was that there, but I just didn't know how to find it, you know, yeah. like it's 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 weird. And in the US, the clubs are 21 and up. Too, right, so yeah. To really mm -hmm. get to those late, late hour uh, mm -hmm. DJ events yeah. and, and kind of <laughs> electronic events, you gotta be 21 and whatnot, but. Yeah, so just wrap. <laughs> I guess I've been rambling for a while. Wrap things <laughs> up. Uh, yeah, after college, got more and more and more into the gear. Uh, modular felt like almost the. It's like the pinnacle of mm -hmm. synthesizer gear. Yeah, culture. Like ultimate control. In my opinion, mm -hmm. like you get to, you know, with stuff like the tip top uh, uh, XOX drum modules, you get to like sample individual drum circuits and inner like uh -huh. slot them into your box or uh -huh, whatever. Uh -huh. and that's something that really, I was really drawn to is like, Oh, I want that filter from that synth that I love the sound of. Right. And right. it's clearly the filter that I'm liking. And uh -huh. I want that 909 <laughs> kick. And mm -hmm, I want, mm -hmm. um, cause that was kind of how my, uh, my production music production workflow worked before that. It was literal wave samples of like, 909 kick dot wave you know uh-huh yeah uh, yeah fair right, right. light orchestra <laughs> hit uh -huh. dot wave and stuff like that and it's uh yeah kind of this was a hardware manifestation of that mm -hmm. but with cv control and more flexibility so okay uh and you know fell into the wormhole as we all do with yeah modular. yeah and then i want to i want to tie that story up with how you guys started to work together but let's get michael's background sure. really quick wait did i cut you off was that about oh, no, it okay great. Yeah, so my background, I guess, I became musical a lot later in life than many people. Um, music was always a really big part of my life, but it was always listening to music. Mm -hmm. So uh, I grew up in North Carolina, and um, I think similarly to what we were talking about a minute ago, uh, electronic music scene not really that big yeah. in 
North Carolina. Um, so putting on my hipster glasses for a moment, I was like uh, <laughs> listening to stuff like Skrillex when Scary Monsters and Nice uh -huh. Sprites had right. just a few tens of thousands of views on YouTube, and it wasn't really that popular. Um, like uh, Rusko, like some of the yeah, old yeah, I remember dub, that mm -hmm. dubstep sort of stuff. Okay, um, real talk though. It's so funny calling that old dubstep now. I got to interject. Yeah. <laughs> Scary Monsters and Nice Sprites was pretty revolutionary when it, it came out yeah we're I, all used was, to it now i were yeah we kind of yeah. got it became kind of a a joke because of how overdone right. so many people did stuff but i remember thinking that 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 ep was pretty i'd never heard anything like it um i was just getting into electronic music yeah. kind of at that point too um yeah it's like one of those things you don't want to admit it but at the time, I was totally into it, and like Rusko and right. some of that old Same. Diplo stuff. Like, that's totally. I love that first Major Laser album. I think I still like it too. Sorry, totally derailed. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean yeah, it, it's great stuff, and it was definitely new. I remember listening to to it all the first time and being like pretty blown away. Mm -hmm. um, but I and so I had an interest in music production for a while. I too used to watch those Dead Mouse like live uh -huh. studio live streams um, but to someone who had never opened a DAW before it definitely seemed pretty magical like yeah. wizardry mm -hmm. um, so the interest was there uh, but I was always into electronics I was mm -hmm. always doing projects I got into electronics uh, when I was just starting high school I was like 12 or 13 I started to build electronic projects and uh, that kind of never stopped I got a degree in uh, electrical engineering and I went on and I worked at Google for about five years and um, a couple of years into working at Google I kind of realized you know work was pretty draining it's a great place to work and all that but I had sort of like all of my side projects that I used to work on every day weird electronic devices and that sort of stuff had slowed down and I was feeling kind of in a rut and I decided to pick up music production because mm -hmm. it's something that I had always been interested in and stuff like music theory was totally foreign to me and because it was very new and very novel I was like maybe that will be motivating enough for me to pick up projects again and um, so I got into music production I picked up a copy of Ableton Live mm -hmm. And uh, kind of started messing around, and modular sort of happened because uh, I found it not super inspiring to just be buying and downloading other people's sample packs. Right, I sort right. of wanted to make my own sounds, and when I started to do research about, like, should I get a VST synth or should I get, like, a hardware synth, I saw people on the Internet talking about this modular thing. And I guess for someone like me with a background in electronics anyway, the ideas of, like, signals and signal processing and signal flow, um, it sort of instantly clicked with me as, like, a very flexible way to do things. And it sort of was, like, immediately obvious, all of the interesting possibilities with patching. And uh, I liked the idea of having it in hardware instead of using some software because of the, you know, the tactile feel. Right. So You're probably all... on a computer all day at work anyways. I've heard a lot of people, you know, say, why well, I don't want to go home from my computer to my computer to continue, you know? Like, was that kind of the case there too? There was definitely an element of that for sure, yeah. I spent a lot of time in front of my computer already. So just being able to, to touch something physical... Um, all of that sort of appealed to me greatly, and I, I got into modular synths. And uh, 
I was actually talking about modular synths, you know, with someone else who'd never heard of them before on the King County Metro bus, and that's how we met. Oh, really? <laughs> Shout out King County Metro. <laughs> yeah, if anyone from Seattle is listening, they know how ridiculous this is. Um, we, we met on a bus. No one meets on a bus. No, because we have what's Seattle. called the Seattle Freeze here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which not is, here. Yeah. Um, which I haven't really noticed, but I'm a pretty like gregarious, outgoing person. Um, but yeah, the Seattle freeze, to those who don't know, is um, apparently Seattle's one of the hardest places to make friends if you are just moving here because everyone just stares at the ground and no one wants to talk to strangers. Um, so yeah, that's pretty remarkable that you guys met yeah. in, on public transport even, because that's where I feel like the freeze is really put on. It's, it's really harsh. Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, yeah, we can, we can go through the uh, like the the uh, things that had to fall into place in order to that, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that to happen, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, like we're both on the bus. I didn't have my headphones in for who knows what reason. Yeah, I listen to music on the commute. I, I also didn't have my headphones in because <sighs> I happened to be riding the bus with someone who's visiting me from out of town. Uh-huh. Um, 99.999% of the time, I've got my headphones in and I am also staring at the ground. Yeah, same here. Yeah, I, t- I used to take the, uh, the, the uh, light rail for right. work all the time and in the morning I mean especially really early in the morning I don't know it's just it's just kind of best practice to not make eye contact yeah. with people because you never know what you're yeah. gonna get <laughs> yeah um, and Michael happened to be with a friend who I guess was also into Eurorack or had some interest into electronics so he was yeah. like what is that crazy looking thing on your desk exactly. and I was describing it to him um, so mid explanation, I happen to be sitting right in front of them on the uh-huh. bus, and I so I hear Eurorack on public transit, which is yeah, I would never expect that. You would never expect it. And I believe I I'm pretty positive that's actually the first time I'd ever heard anyone talking about it in real life, <laughs> because it's you know with the internet like you can you can get into a hobby like this entirely of your own accord mm-hmm. and like. Just go down the wormhole. I think I had had six or nine U of modules by then. When was this, by the way? This was two years ago, roughly. Yeah, about okay. two years ago. That's so funny. There was something going on here in the city that it seems like two years ago stuff really yeah. started bubbling. Like, um, I mean, Patrick's has been open a little over two years, I think. Modular on the spot is going on two right. years or a little bit above two years. My podcast and like just just people meeting and kind of like huh. yeah it's it, i don't know there was something some sort of zeitgeist yeah something happening yeah. yeah it was very strange i was the first uh, of any of my music producer or dj friends to get into hardware synths too mm-hmm. so I, I had no no influence from that camp or whatnot but so yeah met on a bus so wait, wait i want yeah. so you turn around and say hey i also do like, euro rack like, yeah kind of <laughs> i was just like what oh you're you are you into euro rack like kind of like just you know like almost like uh, meeting someone from a foreign country right when like your your home country uh-huh, when you're yeah, in a foreign yeah. or hometown uh-huh. when you're in a foreign country totally you know? totally um yeah like i met somebody uh it reminded me i met, I met somebody uh i went to college with in the Museum of Modern Art in New York once, like oh, randomly, you know, nine million people. In yeah, New York, yeah, and yeah. Like that run is pretty into weird. Somebody you knew. Yeah, I was just uh, so during Velocity, we um, a couple of us went out the night before. Um, it was Eli from Mystic Circuits, Abe from AI Synthesis, my wife, Eric Schlappy, his partner Sarah, 
and then Brandon from Mordex, uh, they do the data. Yeah. Um, and I'd never met Brandon, and uh, it's the first time we were meeting, we're kind of hanging out and talking. And after like an hour and a half of hanging out, like we realized that we went to the same exact university <laughs> and we both lived in the same small town Wacky. like for the same time so yeah it's yeah. just kind of weird I, I don't know why i felt totally. compelled to tell that story but um well those moments happen and you know yeah so we just we kind of you know if you're both into Eurac, like you're gonna be friends yeah it's, right, it's right. Not, <laughs> like it, there's there's no other way, way around it it's, it's such an all-consuming hobby and uh and and that's actually been something that's just been incredible about this community it's it's, mm-hmm. it's everyone we meet is has been fantastic and like really welcoming really gracious to like a new player and yeah a new manufacturer. It's, it's the whole spirit of the thing it's all over i don't know what it is but i mean i have some theories but i've right. talked about them a lot on the show so sorry listener for <laughs> doing that so much um so you wait hold on uh, this is fascinating to me you turn around you start talking yeah. you exchange information right you start jamming and then how long until you guys are like let's start a company yeah, well, I think we uh, we brought our systems over to like one another's places. We were kind of hanging out, and our uh, some of our first ideas came from s- situations where, like, I know with the switchblade, it was something that Ryan was like, "Hey, have you ever heard of a module that's like kind of three switches? You know, that does this sort of thing." And uh, I hadn't heard of anything like it, and was like, "Maybe we can we can look around on Modular Grid or whatever," and it didn't exist. And then I was like, "Yeah, I could." I could probably just make that pretty easily <laughs> I have, with the double E background. I'm like, uh-huh. sounds pretty easy, actually. And uh, so I I built one because I was sort of like for the last 15 years or whatever, my hobby has been just uh, making electronics. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was sort of like uh, autopilot almost to make had, electronics. Had you done like DIY module kits or anything like that or...? Yeah, almost all of my first modules I built as kits. I have a lot of uh, stuff from Bifaco. Shout out. That uh-huh. stuff is amazing. Yeah. yeah. Highly yeah. recommend. The the kits are really high quality and all of that. Um, but I did, you know, a lot of, like, really, really small package, like, surface mount electronics and everything. So just for my hobbies. Oh, that's huge, knowing so how to do was, SMD uh, right off the bat. That's a, it's a kind of a steep learning curve for a lot of DIY people, I think. Can so. be. Yeah. yeah, it's uh, so I sort of built it, and then we thought about it, and it's like in this day and age, sort of the only difference between making one module for yourself and being a Eurorack company is a mountain of business-related paperwork and emailing a contract manufacturer. Uh-huh. Um, so we <laughs> we kind of started to get some quotes, and we ended up having. Our switchblade manufactured through uh, Dark Place down in Portland. Oh, cool, cool. Um, and yeah, that's so. That's sort of how we started to to get into selling modules. So switchblade was first, and mm-hmm. then were you guys instantly like, let's let's work on another one, or was it kind of another one born out of necessity? Like, oh, this we I want something like this. Let's find it. Doesn't exist. Let's make it. I mean, it was so much fun. It yeah. was like, we again, when we started hanging out, we pretty quickly learned that I was an industrial designer um, with a background in consumer goods. So I, I worked at a consumer housewares company, a lot of experience selling products, mm-hmm. marketing them, yeah, yeah. figuring that out. And Michael has a really extensive background in electrical and software engineering. So it was like, damn. Perfect fit, yeah. Not only are we both into this hobby, but it's like, yeah, the perfect combination of yeah of skills. 
for it. So yeah, it was definitely like uh, by our powers combined, you know, yeah. Captain <laughs> Eurorack. Right. Um, so yeah, I mean, the Switchblade was kind of an experiment. It was like, well, let's just try making something. You know, we we see these other manufacturers, and something that had always drawn me to Eurorack as someone as an industrial designer and someone involved in the consumer goods industry is that I was aware, I was very aware from early on uh, in the hobby that these manufacturers, if, if you really want to call them that are like, they're like small, small companies. They're like one it's person like a lot of the time. Consumer electronics cottage industry. Uh -huh. like yeah. Yeah. It, which <laughs> I really loved. Um, I love that. It's almost like a craft industry mm -hmm. in that sense. And you're, when you're buying a module, you're buying this like you buy and large this very unique and like uh undiluted idea mm -hmm. from someone's mind yeah um, yeah versus, like a peek into their brain a little bit exactly yeah. versus what happens at larger companies when you're designing products um, for much larger markets is that things get diluted they get really dumbed down for for retailers for for huge you know supply chains and whatnot yeah so. that's what i do love about it like you said like a, mm -hmm. it's like a cottage industry or something like i feel like with 99 percent of companies the module that they decided to release wasn't because they were like i think this is the one that will make me the best money that was totally. the module that they wanted to make totally like, i want to make this like yeah and they do it and they're and if you know if it doesn't do well it like that's almost not even like as much in the consideration it seems like it's such like a it's kind of punk rock in that way like, yeah, I almost consider modules art. Right. Yeah, totally. Like 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 little paintings, mm -hmm. but they make sound and they, you know, that they're like I f that's how I feel about the people who made them and like mm -hmm. um, you know, they're they're like the, vi the 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 creative vision encapsulated in this little funny embedded device. Yeah, that, yeah. that makes <laughs> that makes weird sounds or processes weird sounds and stuff. So that was really a, like a big emotional draw for me. Yeah, I bet. All right, we're going to take a little gander with our ears at the Pura Ruina from Noise Engineering. That's another distortion. Uh, it's a three-stage CV-controlled, fully hyphenated, full-wave rectifier slash distortion designed for audio. Each stage has an individual level control with corresponding CV and an individual out, um, which is pretty cool. And there's a sum output as well. But... We're just gonna look at these individual outputs. Let's take a listen to the uh, the dry signal, which is coming out of uh, the output one. So that's just from Telharmonic. Simple little thing. And then two is a single full wave rectification stage volume. So let's bring that up. And then the output four is double full wave rectification. And eight is triple full, full wave rectification. <laughs> so you can get some pretty cool mixtures with these different attenuators for these, but where it really shines for me is with CV control. So let's just plug a nice uh, envelope into the uh, the CV input for the output eight. All right, that's fun. Let's put one into the output or the CV input for the four output. 
and then another one into the uh, CV in two. And then we'll put uh, an LFO into the the one output or the one input for the. <laughs> and then uh, use these attenuators to kind of dial in the desired sound. <laughs> oh, this is a lot of fun. And one more quick little demonstration. I want to run some drums through it. Um, so I got this simple little drum beat. This is totally dry right here going in. But um, because it's such abrupt hits, I want the distortion to have something to kind of hold on to. So I'm going to run that beat also through some reverb and then into pure Rowena. And I've got some of the distortion up so you can hear. But I'm going to show you how you can use the that reverb to uh, create new rhythms within this already existing drum beat. So let's just plug, uh, I'm using this switch, so I got DivKid mutes going into all the different CVs, so let's just run an envelope into CV8. Okay, alright, that's, that's not that great, but what happens when we run another signal into CV4? And then a really fast LFO into CV2. Now let's take uh, the potentiometer for the one output, which is the dry output, and turn that down. And now let's take the, the clean drum beat out. So we've created this whole new uh, percussive piece out of the original drum beat. And that's just another fun way to use Pura Ruina. Pura Ruina. Go to noiseengineering.us to learn more. So you have three modules out, right? We do. And what was the second one? Well, the chainsaw and the navigator were kind of concurrent in a okay. way. Um, we, were, we were like prepping for a super booth last year. We, we kind of made the commitment together to... We're gonna go to Berlin. Nice. We're gonna show stuff. We're nice. gonna see what happens. And we, uh, so we were kind of frantically <laughs> putting prototypes together and <laughs> executing on ideas. And uh, the chainsaw came from, I think it originally is because I got an architect and a triad expander mm -hmm. from WMD. Awesome people, by yeah. the way. Um, and the triad, you know, has three CV outs. So then to make chords, it's like, well. I only have like three oscillators, but then I want to do something on top of that. Right, you need a baseline. You know, it's like 30 HP of of oscillators to to make 
just my pads <laughs> behind it and they're you know analog oscillators tuning you got to tune them really well or the chords sound real spicy and and funky mm-hmm. so i was always wondering you know, why why isn't there a three volt per octave input uh or multi-volt per octave input small digital oscillator that can just create uh take these the sequencer out multiple sequencer outputs whether it's a triad or you know, there's many, many other ways to sequence chords with a quad quantizer or, mm-hmm. or whatnot, and just do that in in a really complex, yeah. compact oscillator package that you can then filter and mm-hmm. process with the rest of your modules. Yeah, chords seem to be kind of the, a holy grail, and there are mm-hmm. I feel like there's a lot of ways that they're being presented by different manufacturers, and I haven't messed with the chainsaw. I really want to try it out because that's been sure. something that like I've been been on the hunt for too yeah um so i guess yeah i i, I just interrupted you were probably going to ask ask answer the question i was about to ask but like how is it different like what what's what is the what is the thing that makes chainsaw chainsaw sure i love it's what like eight six four hp, four HP. yeah so that's pretty uh, Very uh, tiny. that's so I, that was something since we just brought it up is that something that you guys have been like conscious about you want to like maintain that real estate space or is it just that the circuit turned out to be well it can be this big well for these first three modules it's made sense in a way Mm -hmm. um we felt like we could express these ideas in 4hp successfully with a good user interface they're all 4hp all All three of of our first modules are 4hp um there is some advantage we feel to like you know, everybody's kind of got 4HP <laughs> yeah, to yeah. open up. That's and, true. Yeah. And we yeah. want it. We want to make it easy for people to add our modules into their system, give them a try. Um, we uh, are really excited about people who use Eurorack live. And mm-hmm. so if you have your system and you're like bringing it around, you have to travel mm-hmm. with it also. Space is, space is pretty constrained. So right. another reason we've been trying to be pretty space conscious, but uh, I don't think we... We're not trying to become like 4HP, the right. company. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, no, company. totally. Um, well, that's that's you know that's even more appealing to me because I have, I'm I'm about to get like a giant studio case totally. that will be completely unreasonable mm-hmm. to bring around to live venues. Um, I have a 7HP case that I really like, but I just I just can't seem to. I don't. I, I would love to be able to play a forty-five minute set out of yeah. it, but I just don't feel like I could right now. So stuff like like what you're talking about, having something that's small but powerful, is very very attractive to someone like me who's like, I'm not gonna. I want to make seven you work. I know I can't. Right. It's just, I think it's a combination of skill and having the right modules. You know. So that's yeah, that's exciting to hear. Right now, I'm challenging myself to make uh, like a 4U IntelliGel 104 HP case uh-huh. work as yeah. a full live yeah. rig. Uh, well, let me and know. It's how challenging. It goes. Yeah, but, <laughs> but you know, I really feel like uh, it's been it's been I think our experience uh, that 7U 104 HP ish mm-hmm. is about ergonomically like the most we can handle as a single totally. like, two-handed. Mm-hmm. human that, i had like, i had 13 hp for a while and mm-hmm. it just was overwhelming it yeah. was just like ah. live like yeah, you're live. gonna use it all and you're gonna you're gonna mm-hmm. change it yeah so um we want we want our modules to do a lot 
in an appropriate package. We're definitely not married to 4HP. Mm-hmm. In fact, everything we're working on now is is quite a bit bigger. Yeah. For really good reasons. Uh-huh. So yeah, like yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're for really important ergonomic reasons. Um but yeah, so yeah, they ended up 4HP. Um the chainsaw, I guess what makes it what makes it unique um is it's, you know, three volt per octave inputs on a single oscillator, which there aren't too many um multi multi voice oscillators in Eurorack right now. Most of them are quite large. Um it's a sound like the super saw is a sound we're both really, really personally fond of. Uh-huh. We'll, we're <laughs> really <sense>. like <laughs> listening yeah. to what you're like I, what you guys <laughs> like like to listen to back when you first got into it. That makes sense. Yeah. And I don't mind, you know, kind of putting that endorsement behind our <laughs> behind our work because I really do think, you know, again, it's like these modules are in to some degree the 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 vision of the creators that you get to kind of try out in your complicated, you know, assortment of mm-hmm. of, of other visions that come from other module manufacturers. Yeah. So, uh, we love super saws. Um, we also experimented with the super square. So you can you can wave shape all of the twenty one oscillators within the module to from saw tooth to square wave. Um, Super squares, so we think uh, they make incredible bass lines. If you just mm-hmm. use one of the voices and um, throw Are there 21 oscillators in there? Technically, yeah. Okay. So it's it's three voices of seven oscillators. Okay. All and right. uh, the detune knob spreads the tuning slightly like a Roland uh, or a um, JP8080, like a Super Saw, okay. 90s Super Saw synth. It, okay, the, cool. Uh, yeah, the uh, oscillators spread apart. Um, along a specific curve and uh yeah so it gets like the thick detuned sound nice you know to be honest i was walking around patchworks and i hadn't i didn't know you guys were seattle i i wasn't looking for an oscillator at the time so any oscillator that i looked at i would just kind of you know passive um but i saw this i was like oh that's cool somebody made like a a small like multi-waveform like good looking oscillator. And that's about as much thought as I put into it. And then, you know, just kind of started learning more about you guys being from here and then like, um, seeing you, your booth, that velocity and that little patch that you guys had at your booth, I was kind of blown away. You were like, yeah, all that's coming from this. And I was like, wait, all of the voice, everything. And you're like, yeah. And I was like, Oh, this thing's way more than I thought it was. So yeah, that's that. Yeah. It's, um, I think you guys hit, hit a, hit the mark. Is that what I want to say? I'm sorry, my brain just stopped working. <laughs> Another unique thing about it that we're ex- we're excited to explore is that it's stereo. Mm. So those sees having seven waves per voice gives us seven, you know, s- sounds to spread across a stereo spectrum. Mm-hmm. So if you uh, there's been kind of a rush of stereo filters mm-hmm. lately with totally. the, the Q pass and the stereo dipole. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I think Erica Synth has one too, and a few others. Um, there's, you know, you can get pads from this thing. And I think both coming from kind of a, our, the musical backgrounds that we do and, um, melodic music backgrounds, having chord structures is important, important to us. So that was kind of, kind of like the, the switchblade. It was like, um, sure. Chord stuff exists, but can we do it in this way or, you know, like right. more, I don't know. I don't want to say more efficiently, just differently. And, um, yeah, that's interesting. And then navigator. 
Yeah. Is the sorry if, unless you have more to talk about the switchblade. No, um, I didn't want to. Well, one more use case I just wanted to 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 plug for the the uh, chainsaw was something that really excites me about kind of a zooming out like chords and polyphony paraphony how do no. you say yeah, that yeah. <laughs> in Eurorack is the ability to use you know something like a ornament and crime or quad quantizer and just kind of putting in like three random voltages uh-huh. and alg- you know generating chords randomly that are related and in the same key that's what i want yeah because i have i can't I, i'm not good with music theory <laughs> neither of us are keyboardists <laughs> at mm-hmm. all really i mean yeah. i can plunk out one right. hand uh-huh. melodies to for music production um i'm a guitarist but that's kind of a whole different thing so yeah i'm i love like when my rack writes the song to a degree. yeah my whole the album that i'm releasing in a few weeks um is actually every single melodic sequence on it mm-hmm. As, aside from one where i ran where i manually turned mm-hmm. like the tuning knob is all from turing machine i would just sit there and listen for hours until it like oh i like that not hours but i would let a sequence play and then right. once i heard something i liked i'd lock it in and then i'd record it so yeah i'm totally i'm with you on that random thing i think one of the things i like the most about Eurorack is you know it's not like there's some sound that I make with my Eurorack system that I couldn't make inside of a a computer like in a doll with mm-hmm. some VSTs but I end up with sounds that I would have never even thought to make yeah and so because it kind of leads you sometimes the the physicality the form factor and then just the way the modules themselves work sometimes lead you in a direction so it's those sort of like happy accident sort of things that you end up with uh, where it's sort of like the machine inspires you and then you're inspired so you might change something and then the machine inspires you again totally it's sort of this like beautiful back and forth thing so i think that's yeah that's one thing that i like about it the most yeah I i feel like that is that's if i had to like make a list of reasons why people get into this and are so enthusiastic about it that that would probably be in the top you know three reasons that i've heard from i mean i've talked to i've talked to quite a few people now doing this and it's that's something you hear a lot it's like that it's part me but it's part ai almost Mm -hmm. or something part machine (laughs) human machine interface (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) yeah and we like to treat the modular as an instrument so it's like Mm -hmm. you know something that you you play with all your fingers and your eyes mm-hmm. and your, you know, your, uh, and our, the modules we're working on that we've done and we're working on really involve like a style of, of, of playing with modular where we feel like it's, we're encouraging you to always be touching the rack. Yeah. Always it's not push, a set and forget. Yeah, not a set and forget. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there are plenty of, of, of modules that we own that we love that I think do that really, really well. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of, uh, you, you see a lot of videos where like no one, the rack is in, in a beautifully shot environment. Uh-huh, it's playing uh-huh, itself. It's uh-huh. self generative ambient stuff. And I, I love that music. Um, but I think there's, you know, again, there's room for so many different, approaches and styles totally. in, this, in mm-hmm. this world and we're really into like live kind of dance music yeah. <laughs> <laughs> modulars, yeah and then navigator that yeah. that looks like maybe the most pl- playable tactile yeah of your can you want to describe that thing and it's kind of an inception sure it's a um you know simple little voltage utility 
um, in the spirit of a lot of, you know, a lot of manufacturers have, have approached this little problem of, um, you know, you have, you have a LFO coming from, from a, an oscillator and you want to put that into a, a CV input of another module, but maybe that module CV input, uh, is, has a rather enormous range of timbres or, or sound across the full CV range. Mm -hmm. So uh, you need a module to offset and scale or invert your your CV that you want, your, your LFO or your- Now, as a layman, what, is that different than attenuation? Yeah, it, it, that's included in, in okay. kind of um, what I'm referring to here, where you, you know, attenuation is, is uh, lowering the the amplitude yeah. of the frequency. I describe so. it as a volume knob for electricity. Yeah, to, exactly. Yeah. A volume knob. Offset is taking that uh, DC signal, that, that sine wave, we'll, we'll, we'll say for the sake of example here, and then uh, moving it positively upwards in voltage. So instead of oscillating between zero and one volt, it's oscillating between three and five volts. Okay. Or three and four volts. Okay. Um, and then inverting is is flipping that mm -hmm. wave over because maybe you have a triangle wave that you want to go from zero volts instead of zero volts to one volt you want it to go from zero volts to negative one volt because mm -hmm. you're pulling a, a parameter back right, down right. instead of up from from zero so the navigator helps you do all of that okay. in a very play, playable little package you can use it as just uh, DC offsets like fixed voltages that you maybe you don't want to like touch the knobs on another really sensitive mm -hmm. uh, voice like a, I really love a lot of the noise engineering uh, modules yeah um, but they're really touchy and they're very yeah yeah lots that's of what makes them so fun is that right. you like you twist the knobs ever so slightly for like hours looking for the most interesting totally. tones then you find something cool and then Something like a navigator allows you to uh, use maybe just just the outputs. They're, the inputs are normal to five volts, so mm -hmm. then you can just have the five volts and and move it up or down, or negative five to positive positive five, or zero to five on the fader. And you can then you can then uh, change the parameters on something like a noise engineering module without having to touch the knobs on the the module yeah, itself. Yeah. So you don't lose your mm -hmm. your previous um, i have i have basically just like a like a really simplified version of that that uh north coast modular collective makes for like their their camp every year yeah. it's just zero to five volt one output and a fader yeah um i could see having like just a whole row of navigators you know like totally. four or five of them that'd be really useful for for just dynamics in a live set totally yeah, there's a lot of things you want to change and then whip back to <laughs> the, the the null point. Yeah, the, yeah. The, the original point. So, so that's the line currently. Can you talk yeah. about anything, or is it kind of secretive? Well, we've teased a drum uh, okay. in various events, and it's been in in showed up in videos and and whatnot. Still, kind of thinking about that, trying to figure out what our uh, we love drum modules and what mm -hmm. our entrance into that is um conceptually we're we're we've built a drum engine uh it's all okay. digital that's, so it's not gonna be sample based yeah it's not gonna be sample based it's gonna be a, a digital synthesis um kind of in spirit based on analog drum synthesis so have a little more 
of a analog drum sound than say you know the amazing noise engineering like right. harsh digital uh-huh. drums and whatnot. Totally. But mm-hmm. um, uh, yeah, we're we're kind of uh, looking at a concept where the the controls on the panel control many different parameters in the the digital model and move you through a parameter space in the digital model that where it always sounds interesting uh-huh. no matter where you are. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> sounds have, like a challenge. <laughs> yeah, we have some uh, some analog drum modules that uh, have a lot of knobs, like 20 knobs on them, and it sound amazing, but to move from, say, like a kick to a snare takes 10 minutes of fiddling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you got to get everything, all your envelopes have to be differently routed and mm-hmm. and attenuated and you know so as somebody this this could be uh, um an ignorant or, or not, not sure. very well informed question because i'm not an engineer i don't know how to make stuff i'm just the guy no that worries. says can it do this um is there going to be any sort of like cv control where you can like send a tr- like one trigger in but through the use of cv have a bounce between like a kick snare and a drum to where if you put in like the right type of gate you could like um you don't have a whole drum beat just based off of like one gate sequence. That'd be a weird gate sequence, I know, but I think it, I th- I've get, I've gotten somewhat close to that with like a um, with a bisimilis. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's it's hard to find that that right control voltage. Um, I think um, so. We're still kind of messing around with the module concept. Uh, so we might end up changing it, but in its current form, the form where that it's appeared in some videos and stuff. You could do almost exactly that. Okay. Um, there's four sort of macro parameters. So the drum engine itself has like three body oscillators that can be like, for you know, example, like a kick body, and then you might have like two higher frequency snare drum partials, um, and then uh, some filtered noise. So there's a low pass digital model of a low pass filter a band pass filter and just a you know digital noise source um and then a tornado of envelopes to do nice pitch bend Mm -hmm. individually for all three amplitude control for all three there's some wave shaping in there you know going into like transistor saturation models um and so there's you know dozens like probably like 50 maybe at this point 80 plus parameters in the engine because we keep adding stuff to it (laughs) um which is would be way too many to have like controls for them individually uh you'd spend forever just like tweaking all of them Mm -hmm. um so there's these four macro parameters then we also have this idea um in the current form for like a mode knob uh and so the way i think about it is um, that set of 80 parameters is like a vector. And so you can have like an 80-dimensional space and a point in that space is a set of parameters and it sort of represents like one possible sound the engine could make. And so you could imagine plotting a curve through that space that takes you from a kick drum sound to a snare drum sound. And the mode knob, I mean, just even in our current prototype, sort of does exactly that. It sort of smoothly morphs between, like, a kick drum to a snare drum sound. And then uh, there's this trigger input on the current version of the module um, that will generate yet another envelope internally that's normaled to those four, um, just, you know, in software, normaled, quote-unquote, mm-hmm. to those four macro parameters 
uh, and then each one has an attenuverter on it. So you can send in a trigger and generate an envelope, or you could patch in any CV source into the first of the CV inputs, which are all normal together, and use the attenuverters to sort of like push and pull each of the four parameters by a different amount with that same CV. So you can dial in sort of, yeah, exactly how you want that control okay. voltage to uh, to affect the sound mm -hmm. um, in a pretty flexible way. Because, yeah, with, with the four attenuverters on each one. I was one, just going to say that's... That's awesome. I think I hear a lot of people, that's one of the biggest, like, not complaints, but, like, requests maybe from users is, can we have more, like, attenu attenuating, attenuverting on the module that we're using, you know? Um, yeah, I think from a user interface standpoint, it's it's really helpful, especially when there's, like, wide ranges of sound that can be uh, affected through that CV input. Mm -hmm. uh, I guess philosophically, we are really, really focused on user interface. Um, yeah. No, I think that's, that's great. Really passionate about and 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 again in live situations you have less time to like futz with mm -hmm. a user interface on a module, so we want it to be really straightforward and playable and, and yeah and approachable. That yeah. you know that seems to be I hear a lot of people talking about a lot of manufacturers and you know just users like putting a premium on live usage, mm -hmm. and I feel like it's just becoming more and more of a thing I'm hearing. And yeah. I wonder if that's because of its increasing popularity. It's coming more and more out of the studio or something. Sorry. That was just kind of like a thought that just popped into my head. I wonder if like, as it's, I mean, that's exactly what it is. That seems stupid now that I said it. I just formed that thought as I was saying it out loud. So <laughs> well, I actually like to define live, you know, very inclusively and, and kind of put it in that it can be like live on a stage in a club or in, on a, amphitheater outside for a modular on the spot or something or it can just be live like in your studio mm. at home like making music live in the moment with a modular synthesizer and recording it um, and treating it like an instrument in that mm -hmm. sense so yeah. uh, i don't think it's not necessarily performing in front of people but just kind of using it uh, like real time use, mm -hmm. real time interaction is what we're really. Well, I guess there's probably a, a premium on that too, because a lot of people say, like, like you mentioned earlier in, in your journey, and what was one of the most attractive things about it is the tactile. Mm -hmm. You know, so you don't if if that's what you're really after, you don't want to set up a regenerative patch and then stand there and stare at your case. You know, yeah. you want to constantly play with it. Yeah. So, man, we're really figuring it out today. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm gonna check and see how my parking's doing because I've got like a 10 minute walk to the car, but we're almost out of time, anyways. Um, yeah, my 10 minute warnings in three minutes. Okay. So, thank you guys for joining me. Of course. For one, do you have anything that we missed that you want to add? Um, where where do people go to check out your stuff? Uh, AcidRainTechnology.com has a lot. Uh, we're on Instagram. If you have our modules and make anything with it at all that you want to share, please tag us. And we love hearing what mm -hmm. people are doing um, with our stuff. That's what that's like the number one thing that keeps us motivated and, and going and, and interested in this is the incredible community out there that's willing to share what they're doing and and uh, kind of you know, you're, you're making our dreams come true <laughs> in a way. Uh, if you're out there, if you're out there using our, our modules. Yeah. I 
done a lot of electronics projects for a long time, um, but by far the most motivating thing I've ever experienced is like seeing someone else use our electronics to make music. So definitely. So find hit them up. Yeah, find yeah, them. Hit them up. up. Yeah. Let us know if you have ideas. We're always open for like. I wish there was a module that did this X Y Z. We're just two. We're just two guys here. Yeah, like, yeah. Hanging out, designing modules. So there's, you know, if, if you have, if you have a good idea, we're, we're totally willing to yeah, <laughs> take yeah. a look at it. Well, and on in the spirit of of reaching out, I will say this to you guys listening. Um, do it yeah. and and don't think that I don't want to bother them. They're probably getting bothered all the time because from my experience, I've had so many people say like, yeah, I've been meaning to reach out, but I didn't, I didn't want to bother you. It's not a bother. We like it. Totally. <laughs> like if we're, if we're like, I'm not a manufacturer, but I'm also, I'm, I'm producing content every week to put out there for people's enjoyment. I love hearing back about it. And like all mon all module manufacturers want to hear how much you love their stuff. Even, even the big guys, you know? So, uh, you're not bugging anybody listener just just reach out right. and uh tag acid rain technology when you when you're ripping shit up with that chainsaw totally. <laughs> <laughs> and um so we'll do i'll we'll do a patch challenge thing um since we're not kind of set up to do it now i'll talk about that off air and we'll figure it out so uh but yeah Sounds thank good. you so much for joining me you guys thank you well, that was a fun chat. Thank you, Ryan and Michael, for joining me. Um, and so I, uh, I went home and I got out the random adjective and noun generator and it spit out splendid rain. So I thought for acid rain technologies, I'd give them splendid rain. So they, uh, they did a little patch and they sent it over to me and the patch actually just features a single chainsaw being sequenced by multiple outputs of a Stilson hammer and then fed into Ripple's uh, filter and then an herb verb. Um, and this, that's kind of, uh, is a testament to how awesome this, uh, this module is. I find myself getting very big full patches out of very few, uh, modules. So without any further ado, let's check out Splendid Rain. Thank you so much for joining us this week. I'm sorry for the late episode and, uh, we're going to get to all the Patreon shout outs and the new music, uh, next week or on a bonus episode. Let me know what you think would be better. Um, yeah, thanks again for listening.